0: Hey guys, we're going to be getting started here in a few minutes, but we've got a couple of announcements here just to keep you up to speed on what's going on in our church.
1: Grace Resources is packing up food for families here in the LL Valley and Journey Church would love to help out. We need volunteers right now to head over to Grace Chapel every Monday until COVID-19 is over from 8 45 to 12 p.m. If you want to help out and serve the community that would be so awesome. This food will go towards elderly and also families that just need help during this really difficult time. If you want more information, you can contact Sharon Johnson at s.johnson at
0: graceresources.org. Thank you guys so much for your continued generosity over these past couple weeks. Here's a couple ways for you to be able to give if you want to continue to support our church and community.
1: Here at Journey, even though we can't meet physically, there are still a lot of ways that you can stay connected throughout the week. On Tuesday, we're continuing to fast and pray at noon on our Instagram Live, with a short encouraging teaching from one of our staff members. Wednesdays, you can hop on our Zoom groups and share life with other people from our community. For the youth, you can watch The Crash Live on YouTube at 7 p.m. Our JKids video curriculum is also available to watch on our website.
0: Thanks again for joining us. If you guys need anything, please feel free to reach out to us. Our service will be starting soon.
2: coming in this room miracles happen when you move heaven is coming
1: Journey family good morning everybody it's so good to have you guys all with us this morning and hey before we go into the message I just want to take a moment to say thanks Um, I love the Journey family and your your continued faithfulness and generosity I know these are crazy times I know there's a lot of stress and financial questions and and all that but I just want to say that you as um, as members of the Journey family have just been so faithful and your generosity really makes a difference. And I know we don't talk a lot about it, you know, bills continue and all that still goes on in the background. And, and just wanted to say thank you. And thank you for your faithfulness and the way that you continue to love, not only God and and offer your generosity to the church but also the things I hear about the way you're serving and loving each other really makes me proud and I just want to stop and say thank you for that this morning and God bless you guys as you continue just to trust him in the days ahead got a question for you have you ever been on a trip or been in a car or something with folks and you heard the question are we there yet I can't tell you how many times over the years I've heard that question or questions like that coming from somewhere in the vehicle. How much longer? Dad, is it almost over? What's taking so long? Are we there yet? Are we ever going to get there? And I think if anybody's had children or if you've been in a family, you've heard those words. And in our family, we love road trips. Well, let me back up. We love fun road trips but as anybody with kids knows, not every road trip is fun. Several years ago, um, when Journey was kind of getting underway, we were going through a season where we um, were just almost all volunteer led, and we were in a school, and so this one particular Christmas Eve, and as, as you probably know, Christmas Eve is like our second biggest event of the year, and so we were having a Christmas Eve service we had to pull into the to the school we had to set all up get everything ready well this particular Christmas there was um, some of our volunteers were unavailable so we had a different set of volunteers who were kind of leading the charge so for our worship team we had a gentleman who just kind of felt like hey we can we can wing this we don't need to practice and um, for whatever reason that's kind of the direction they went so when Christmas Eve service began The song started and the vocalist started singing. The words were correct, but it was a completely different melody. Nobody had any idea. It was like in their mind, they just came up with a different song and they put the same words to it and everybody just sat there stunned. Nothing went together. In fact, people in the front row started snickering and then began laughing out loud. She began to turn bright red and eventually just put down the microphone and walked off stage the service from that point on was a blur i don't remember anything else about the night except that sick pit up you know in my stomach just feeling like i cannot believe we just blew one of the second most important services of our year And my son, Tyler, at the time, he was also serving on that team. He was a college student, and he was just volunteering and helping out um, on the weekends. But he was on that team. And so when we got done packing up and putting everything back in the trailer and putting everything back away and rolling out of the school, that night, every Christmas Eve, our family hops in the car and we would travel back to Tulare, two and a half hours away, to spend the holiday with my family. So that night, as we all piled in the car, it was silent. My frustration level kept boiling over and frustration just kept seeping out and it seemed to be coming in the direction of Tyler. He took it personally and pretty soon there was just this terrible feeling of yuck in the car. And all I could think for those two and a half hours of the journey is, are we there yet? Will this trip ever end? As a matter of fact, honestly, the deeper question inside of me was God, Will this painful season in our church ever end? And the thing about that question, the thing about the are we there yet idea is that it kind of conveys a belief or a hope or a longing that, that maybe there's someplace else where I'm gonna be better off. Maybe, maybe there's someplace better than this. Maybe there's a better time than this. Maybe there's someplace place I should be or I need to be and I'm just stuck here. There's, there's gotta be a better day, day a better season for my marriage, um, a better time for my finances, a, a better way of earning a living, a better life if I could just get there. But I'm stuck here, in between. And, and we can't help but wonder sometimes, hey God, when? When is this going to change? When is it going to be over? When do I get there? And over the course of our lives, I think we ask that question thousands of times in, in just different ways. Like, God, are we there yet? Or <clears throat> how much longer? God, will this season ever end? Or when will we finally get there, wherever there is? And we can't help but wonder sometimes, hey, God, what's going on? When? when will I get there when will this be over when will we move beyond and over the course of our lives you and I will probably ask that question thousands of times in a variety of different ways like yes are we there yet or how much longer God or will this season ever end or when will we finally get there wherever there is and that question isn't new and it's not, it's not unique to us in our cultural moment. As a matter of fact, this is an age-old question and a yearning that, well, we're going to be breaking this down over the next ter- several weeks as we look at a group of people who lived in this tension of the in-between. This is a group of people who, for decades, had been yearning for and crying out to God for God to help them get there. And so that's what we're going to be breaking down. And and I think it'll speak to a lot of us because I, I think what God is up to in this moment, as we feel kind of weird and out of sorts, this COVID thing's going on and on and on. And and at first it was kind of like, ooh, what's going to happen? And then it was kind of a, maybe this is nice. We can relax and be home a little bit more to a little bit of like, hey, I'm over it. Um, there's that time that some, some of us feel we're in between, um, that initial sense of oh my goodness what is happening to the end where we finally are there and there's this moment where we just feel like ah I'm kind of stuck in the middle you see the people I want to talk about they had set out on a journey and it was totally prompted by God but at times it felt like God was the only one not present They were feeling like, man, we're completely on our own. It was challenge after challenge, difficulty, trials, wars, experiences that basically when they were through, it would have transformed their lives. But in between, in the middle, it was absolutely terrifying. And I'm talking about the children of Israel and the story of the exodus from Egypt. And so that's where we're going. And today, what I want to do is I want to lay a little foundation, a little groundwork for what we'll be developing over the next few weeks in greater detail. But to understand the story, um, I, need to, I need to jump back to the, where the journey began. And it all begins way back in Genesis, which is just one book before, where God had created everything. And he said in the beginning, it was good. Everything he made, it was good. It was beautiful. It was perfect. It was Garden of Eden and then in the early chapters when God puts man and and woman in the garden it just seems like everything's going great and all of a sudden they make one decision that changes everything forever they decided that the one thing God commanded them not to do was the thing they wanted to do their pushback against God, basically said, we don't want you to rule over us. We want to rule over ourselves. We want to make our decisions. We can play God for this. We appreciate your creation, but we're going to do it our way. And the doing it our way, the scripture calls that sin, and it broke God's heart. It literally brought a curse upon creation, and everything went downhill. This disobedience plunged the world into darkness, into chaos, into corruption. And every single generation from that point on, it just seemed added to the violence and the selfishness. And each generation just seemed to get more and more disconnected from, from the dream. So in Genesis 12 through 50, God unleashes and unfolds his plan. He kind of exposes plan to restore the world. And that's where it begins. <clears throat> it begins with God choosing a man named Abraham. And he decides that Abraham will be his representative to the world of what it looks like when we come back and walk in the ways of God. Abraham was a righteous man. He was a man who trusted God and God said, I'm gonna take you and you and your descendants are going to be proof to the world that when people know and walk with me, when people honor me and stay in relationship with me, life works, life is blessed. It returns to that sense of it being good. And God would offer the world an opportunity through Abraham and through a covenant he established to restore that relationship and to come back into relationship with him. So God even promised Abraham, not only will I make you a special people, a representative to the world, but I'm going to give you a special place, a promised land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And in that generation, it would have been like, you know, all the best stuff of life. And they would be able to live there and thrive. And and not only that, but the best part that God would tabernacle, would live, would actually be among them. This was just so good that the people of promise, the people of Abraham, the people of Isaac and Jacob, we call them the children of Israel, said yes to the covenant. But as we begin the book of Exodus, it looks like God's plan somehow gets off the rails. Because This whole plan looks to be in jeopardy. Abraham's people had grown to this mighty nation, but now they were slaves in Egypt. And the Pharaoh over Egypt was so not interested in letting them go because they were the economic drivers of his economy. So God's people began to wonder if God would keep his promise. Had he forgotten them? where is God and and where is this promised land and why does it seem so long? It had been 400 years since God's people had entered Egypt and they were now just desperate to be free. So we pick up the story in Exodus chapter two, verse 23, and here's what it says. Years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham. Other translations talk about, and the promise or the covenant was brought back to the forefront. Isaac and Jacob, he said that he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. And that brings me to first couple observations for this morning. First, God never forgets his promises. I know it feels like sometimes, like the children of Israel in Egypt, like, but God, if your promise is to do good, if your promise is to lead us, if your promise is to, you know, when we walk with you in a covenant relationship to bless and prosper our lives, then what's with this Egypt thing? What's with this season? I mean, we're not feeling like this is what you had promised us. And the reminder from the text is, God hadn't forgot his people. He was just waiting for them to reach a point where they were ready to fully commit and draw and turn their hearts back to him, where they were really ready to trust in his deliverance rather than their own methods to get the life they dream of. God always knows the right time to act. Reminds me of a couple other passages. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He's always kept his word God always keeps his word and 2nd Peter 3 9 the Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is in fact God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost What we learn from the text and from this whole story is that God keeps his promises and when it feels like God is somewhere out there far away that actually God is working for our good because his love is so great. He wants our hearts and our lives to turn towards him so that every possible mercy can be extended to anybody who's seeking. He delays it just so we can all get our hearts ready and prepared for his next great work. The second observation is that God responds to the cries of his people. God's heart is tuned to our voice. It's just like a parent. When my kids were little, I mean, Lori and I could hear their voice in the crowd of other kids in the nursery. And we knew that was our kid. We knew their voice. We knew not only their voice, but their cry, what it meant. Were they hungry? Were they grumpy? Were they upset? Need a diaper change? Parents kind of get tuned in. But man, God is so much better of a parent. His heart is always tuned in to our cries, to the cries of his people no matter where you find yourself today, just know this, God loves you. God God has offered his best promises to you. And when you place your faith in Jesus, you become the child of God that all these promises become yours. Hebrews talks about all of these things are just unleashed on the children of God as they put their faith in him. God hears their cries, he's moved with compassion, to act on their behalf, and in this situation, God steps up and sends a deliverer. We know him as Moses. And if you've watched the movie, The Ten Commandments, you see how the story unfolds, that Moses comes in and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, hey, not about to happen. Um, And literally, week after week after week, God has to send plague after plague after these horrible, terrible things to break Pharaoh's grip And to force him to acknowledge the fact that there is one true God that rules over all creation. And it all culminates in this one particular moment where on this final, after nine terrible plagues that had come across Egypt and Pharaoh refused to let them go. God tells Moses, prepare because tomorrow you and the people will be walking out of here. I'm going to tonight send the death angel, in other words, the angel of judgment over the whole land of Egypt. And God was going to unleash his wrath or his judgment against the sins of slavery and abuse and all the things that had been just mounting up. And he said, I'm gonna bring judgment on the land. And all of the people, you and I and everybody in in this whole world has sinned and we all are are like subject to judgment. But God said, here's the thing. Moses, I want you to tell the people to take a spotless lamb, a one-year-old lamb without blemish, a perfect lamb. And for every household of the Israelites, have them slaughter the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and paint it over the doorposts. And tonight when the death angel passes over, he will see the blood, the the atoning blood, in other words, the sacrificial payment for sin, and he'll pass over those homes. That's where we get the whole concept of Passover. Passover that the angel of judgment, the angel of wrath, as he went through the land of Egypt that night, passed over every home that had the blood of the lamb over their homes, but every home that did not face the wrath and the judgment of their sin. And the firstborn of every household in the valley or in Egypt died, except those with the blood of the lamb. And by this, God was introducing this whole concept of substitutionary atonement or allowing the innocent to stand in place of the guilty. And that night, that was proclaimed loud and clear. That is such a powerful moment that every home, it says there was a loss in the home and there was sadness and weeping. Pharaoh himself lost his own son and finally calls in Moses and said, get your people and get everything you own and get out of Egypt, get out. After 400 years, they were free. Which brings me to my next observation, which is this. Sin always leads to death, but God still provides a lamb. God still provides a way. He's always looking to reconcile, to bring opportunity for us to restore our relationship. Scripture is clear that judgment awaits for all of us, but because of God's love and grace, he provides a spotless, sinless lamb We know that as Jesus in our time. Old covenant, it was the lamb, the creatures, the little little furry ones, but in the new covenant, Jesus became the Passover lamb for all people who would believe, taking our judgment and our punishment so we can go free. Now we can live free of the wrath of God, the fear of God, and God has now become our father. First Peter says it this way in chapter one, verse 18, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of the dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed messiah whom god then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust god that you know you have a future in god and that's where our journey with god begins it's it begins after sin has been punished and that sacrifice for sin is offered. That's where the children of Israel entered into their new journey with God. After that moment, they literally were pushed out of Egypt and the journey of a relationship of daily trust in God began. That's where it begins in our relationship with God. At that moment where we make a full surrender and take the sacrifice that has been made on our behalf and then put ourselves back in the pursuit of God and following, but that moment where God acts on our behalf That changes everything. For the first time in 400 years, they were free. You just think about that. The blood of the lamb had restored them to relationship with God, had given them the freedom now to be on their way on the journey to this promised land with God. Abraham was finally going to have his promise fulfilled. Imagine the excitement. I mean, it's like life starting out um, on on a journey that you've waited for your entire lifetime. It's like if if you've saved up and waited to go to Europe or to someplace special and in your whole life, you think about it and talk about it and dream about it and plan and and save up. And and then the day comes. That was the moment these people were experiencing right here. And it was just joy unleashed. That's what it was like. And I, I... I want to take you back because that was what it was like for many of you that was what it was like for many of us when we first entered into relationship and met jesus you put your faith in jesus and the lamb of god who literally takes away the sin of the world you took that gift where he died on the cross in your behalf and you were free and and your sins are punished and on the cross and and you forever were made right with god and the journey began but just like the children of israel The time between our freedom, you know, from slavery, sin and death and guilt and all that and heaven or the promised land seems like a very long time. And it's that journey, it's that experience, it's that in-between where we are set free and the promised land that we spend our journey most of our lives and that's what we're going to unfold over the next several weeks. That's what we're going to talk about. Because chances are there are a lot of you who are feeling totally lost at times. You may feel forgotten. You may feel like, man, you've just been tempting or, or tempted to go back to life as you used to live it or like go back to Egypt as it is in the story. When things get really hard, it's kind of like, man, but my life before, or I, I would like to go back. And some of you know that this is a reality. God took you out of Egypt, but that in-between space, here's the reality of it, that in-between space is God taking Egypt out of you. This is what we learn in the story, and this is what we're going to unpack, that God leads us out of our Egypt. But then God has to lead the Egypt out of us as he transforms us, and that's the journey we're going to go on. So one final thought as we wrap up today. I love this, Exodus 13, 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. God didn't want them to get discouraged. God knew that there was going to be trying times on their journey between, in the in-between between their freedom and the ultimate promise, revelation. God knew that that was going to be a difficult journey and God didn't want them to become discouraged so he charted a path that was challenging but it was the best path to develop the character and the trust he wanted from them. And that just makes me so hopeful. Here's my final thought. God knows the perfect path to perfect your character. God knows the perfect path to get perfect character. He knows how to perfect us. Sometimes it seems like God has left you out on your own to figure it out and and man, you have faith in him, you love him, but rest assured, he is leading you. Not just them, he's leading you. If, if you have put your faith in him, I would just wanna encourage you to remember, your father is crazy about you. If the, if he had a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on it, little magnet. And if you seek him, he's promised, you will find him. If you ask If you knock, if you seek, he will respond. And God's nature doesn't change. He's always looking for ways to develop his children and to fulfill his promises. But again, the journey sometimes on our perspective is roundabout and lost and doesn't seem like God knows what he's doing. But from his perspective, it's the shortest path to get you where he wants you to be. So the journey we're on, confusing, you bet. Seems like it'll take forever, sure. You're crying from the back seat. God, are we there yet? Will we ever get there? What is God up to in the in between? Just, just to wrap up this this past week, um, I was wrestling with some leadership decisions regarding the church, and we're really really excited about the season we're headed into. And yet there are obviously challenges and staffing things. We're really really excited. God is just you know. just prompted us to add some staff and worship pastor and these kind of things anyway we're working through some of these challenging decisions and um i just had this sense of overwhelmed like god i just uh i just want to be done with this i want to be there and and i'm just tired of this in between and it just kind of took me back to that that moment in 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 that christmas eve service was like god you know when do we ever get there and and i think every pastor every individual every person just sometimes you feel like man i want to get there and, and it was a moment for me where I literally had to just stop and rehearse this incredible story in my mind and remember that God is taking you there through the difficulties and through the challenges as he's developing your internal culture, your internal heart, your character. And so I just want to give you a practical couple steps to lend you a little help this week as you may be feeling a little bit in between. If you feel you're stressed, if if you're feeling like, man, a little pain in the weight, if if you feel in between, God, are we there yet, kinds of things, here are a couple practical steps. First of all, find a quiet place and get alone. It's critical that we silence the noise around us, that we can literally sense the voice of God. So find a quiet place and just kind of tune in. Give yourself a few minutes, 10, 15 minutes maybe, just to, to let everything else get quiet while you just tune into your own heart. And then ask yourself, what am I worried about? Why am I anxious? What's causing me this sense of unrest and and dis-ease? And take those feelings to God. Tell him exactly how you feel and exactly where you were. That's what it looks like when we cry out to God. You just pour it out to him. Then remind yourself of the love that God has promised us, the provision, the way that he has promised to lead and guide us. We're his children. Remind yourself, nothing helps like scripture. And folks, let me just tell you, I didn't have time to get into this, but if you do just simple Google search or a web search for the promises of God, you will be inundated with promises and scriptures and opportunities to remember God's goodness. If, if nothing else, just get the Psalms out and just read of David's journey through his difficulty. And as you're reminded of that, reread them until they start to sink in. And for me, this is what I had to do. I had to then just literally celebrate that Passover lamb sacrifice and the promise I just had to keep reminding myself, hey, you know what, whatever I'm in right now, God has covered it. God is leading. God will see me through. And I could just sense the stress and kind the of frustration all that just kind of ease away as I turned and once again just told myself, I will not put my, my trust in myself, my own intellect or my ability. I won't even put it in the people around me. I'm going to just trust that God is leading. And folks, it'll transform your life. I just, just am so excited you guys are gonna be with us over the next couple of weeks as we unfold this in-between story. Look forward to having you guys back. In the meantime, be prayerful that God would do great things in the season and tune back into our weekly you know, opportunities our midweek you know, connects and our Tuesday prayer, all these ways of just, and, and if you need anything, please let us know. We love you. And I'd like to pray for you guys as we close. Would you bow with me? God, as we wrap up this time today, my heart just bursts with joy as I, as I read the story again. And, and in the, my moments of just feeling overwhelmed and feeling in between and feeling like, are we there yet? My impatience just seems to get the best of me and my frustration. And God, I just thank you for this incredible, the, what you recorded for us is perfect for us to remember that you love us. Your plan for us is to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. And God, that in the plan, you know the perfect time for everything. So God, my prayer is that everybody listening, that those who have just struggled with trusting you, that maybe they're feeling a little out of control, out of sorts, and things are just not settled and they just feel like I'm over it. When is it going to be done? When do we get there? God, I just pray that you would just settle their hearts to remind them that you do not abandon your children, that there is purpose in this. And even though the journey seems long and the, the wait seems like to go on and on, you are up to good. And for anybody who puts their faith in you, that you right now will wrap your arms around them and draw them in as your child. And friends, if that's you today, and if you have never made that decision, I just encourage you to just click that little link that just says, raising my hand, that today I'm trusting God with my life. I'm putting my faith in what he did through the blood of the lamb, Jesus taking my place. And I'm gonna give my life and trust to him. And for everyone else, join us next week as we continue the journey. Love you guys, we'll see you then.